Welcome to Radical Strategies. For this episode, we are deep diving into sim racing. So I have quite a, a special guest here, someone who I've known of probably longer than I have known, Aesthetic Corsa. That's quite an in incredible uh, invention. Stefano, so why don't you give us a little bit of a uh, introduction to yourself? I'm actually quite curious to hear more about your your life, how you started, and how you got into this uh, notion of uh, simulating uh, motorsports. Ah, it's yeah. uh, it's a uh, it's a very long story. <laughs> well, let, let's uh, let, let's uh, yeah, hear. let's try to make it short. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it started you know back in the days. I remember when I was I don't know probably. 15 or 16 and and yeah. on my commodore 64 i i got this game called revs by geoff cramon that mm -hmm. eventually will go on and, and create the grand prix series and i was completely you know blown away because yeah. it was the first uh, 3d you had this 3d and you could actually uh, spin the cars you know mm. which was something completely new in the games before there the 2d's games you know you could sort of always fight this understeer and yeah, going out yeah. of the corner but this one yeah. you could actually spin it and that was the beginning of my passion for that and um i could already program i started programming pretty young you know in my i don't know i can not even remember very fast forward to the days of Grand Prix Legends, and that was another product that completely blew me away. And that was the first time that I actually quit my job um, and tried to create my own software house that was a disaster at the time. Uh. Um, so I wanted to do this racing simulation. So I bought lots of books um, because I didn't really know anything. I don't have a university background or something mm. like that. I, I could code, but uh, uh, I didn't really know anything about physics. So I bought all these books. I couldn't really make it work. So I was like, let's forget it. Let's let let's get a job. <laughs> uh. So I moved, <laughs> I moved back to England, got uh, got a job there. And then, but these books sort of became my my reading for the evenings. Right? Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years, I sort of realized, well, maybe I can do this again. I can try this again. So it became my hobby um, to, to, to try to create the simulator. And that eventually became Netcar. It was like uh, something that I was just releasing for free on the internet. And mm. it was resolved. Well, did you have a job at the time in software yeah. development? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah I had okay. A job, uh, uh, as a software developer. And then... What happened was that um, I moved to Japan, my company. Uh, I got a job as a manager in Japan, same company, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. not a software developer anymore. I went there and um, I spent another couple of years there. The project sort of stopped. And um, after a couple of years, I realized that manager is not really a job for me. Mm -hmm. And I just want to code. I don't like to tell other people what to do. Yeah. And um, so I, I contacted some guys and you know notably marco massaruto that became uh with me like the the corner of uno simulazioni and we mm -hmm. started this idea to take netcar and make like a, a pro version that we will sell yeah. as a proper game and that was basically the beginning and uh, netcar pro didn't really go very well um was years of what time. year what year was this um i think 2005 okay it was back in 2005 and yeah. we, we we worked on on the game uh for about one year and a half and yeah. came out around 2006 uh it wasn't 
it wasn't good. It was quite a disaster. The sales were not really good. Then we were mm. really struggling. Uh, me, I was the only one full time, and the other guys were all, you know, just doing it uh, part time in their own, mm. you know, time after their normal job. And um, and then there was another project that we did with Ferrari, which is Ferrari Virtual Academy. It sort of elevate a little bit uh, mm -hmm. the profile of the company in the eyes of uh, uh, car manufacturers. So we did some work with Ferrari and with Abarth. And then me and Marco, we started to think what to do next. And uh, we started from scratch with a new project that, that became Assetto Corsa. So that, that's the, <laughs> the small story. And eventually, you know, Assetto Corsa became the, the most played uh, racing simulation on the PC, which is amazing <laughs> considering that we were literally four guys. Uh, say, well, well let, let's, let's just let's it. just let's just scrub this a little bit more because it's quite interesting. Yeah. So, at the beginning of a set of Corsa, did you map out this the software architecture? Because I, I think um, what's really interesting is where a set of Corsa is now. But uh, I think a lot of the reason that it's there is because of the the architecture, this open architecture. Was that yeah. something that that you laid out yeah, at the beginning? Yes, because what what was happening at the time, we noticed with with Netcar, we we noticed yeah. that we were approached by many um, companies that were trying to do professional simulations, and they mm -hmm. wanted to use Netcar, but Netcar was built. To be extremely closed and protected because the original mm -hmm. idea was let's try to do something that people cannot really um, hack easily into it so mm -hmm. it will become you know some sort of esports at the time yeah. the word didn't even exist uh esport but that was the vision for netcar um but at the same time that kind of closed architecture really made made it very difficult for us to, to follow this kind of customer because one of these customers, and I'm talking about Formula One teams, mm -hmm. uh, they can easily, you know, in, in, in a tiny company of four or five people, they can easily take 100% of your time if um, and everything that they re request re requires us to go there and code it, mm -hmm. right? uh, whatever they request. So the idea for Assetto Corsa was like, okay, let's not do that <laughs> this time. Let's try to do something that will allow us to make the game that we want to do. And at the same time, uh, will allow everybody else from a professional applications down to people that want to put the simulator in a mall and, and, and let kids drive, uh, be able to do as much as possible without us being part of that process. So yeah, it, it, it was a, an incredible success, to, to be honest with you, that we didn't see coming at all. You know, we, we yeah, were completely I, I, taken It must be surprise. pretty interesting looking now to see just that decision and to see what the knock-on effect is, you know, years later to see how active it is now and, and what, what is being done with it now. So just to describe for, for the um, viewers who are not familiar with this stuff, there's um, what's happened since is that a, a very active community has developed around um, a set of cores, uh, this incredible community of people who are building tracks, have completely reinvented the, uh, the visual system anyway, 
and um, you've got free roam tracks. I, I find it incredible now that you can download Tokyo. Yeah, there's a mod called Shuto Revival, and you can yeah, literally drive. Yeah, I saw drive. some videos on YouTube. It's amazing. Yeah, you haven't it's tried amazing. it? I, I drove. No, I drove the real it's like, one. It's, <laughs> so it's, ah, I know this road. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. You can drive yeah. from uh, Haneda Airport all the way to Yokohama. I think there's something like 350 kilometers of, uh, of, of uh, freeways. Uh, open roam and now 24 hours of cycle lighting weather system changeable uh what do you think of all that that your creation is well, taking the life of its yeah, own yeah i mean uh things like soul and all the shader updates is sort yeah. of aggressive modding like yeah you know, it's not modding the way that we uh the, the way that i open in it right so it's yeah. like way beyond that it's yeah. like it's, it's more like hacking in into the code, which mm. is not something that I'm a, a fan of. But mm. uh, at the same time, um, it's obviously you know a, a fantastic job because the result is amazing, and yeah. you know players love it. And and uh, so while these things were happening, I was like, all right, let's let's put my ego. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on a side just let them do it uh even though it's not something that makes me jump you know <laughs> in happiness interesting if, yeah. yeah um so yeah but but i, I see that sometimes the screenshots on on the reddit assetto corsa mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. subreddit and i was like wow this this is unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look anything like the original Assetto Corsa anymore. No, it's, it's, it, it brings up an interesting premise, and this can be something that we explore um, now for as we look into, you know, sim racing and, and what the future is. But I think one thing that's quite interesting is the notion of community and user-generated content. Now, is that something that you had in mind um, as you were you were programming and developing the uh, the simulation, yeah, because obviously all the modding um, since from the beginning we we uh, released the tools, the editor uh, to yeah. allow people to make cars and tracks, and there were things um, like for example when it comes with things like the user interface for what we call the launcher, which is mm. everything that happens before you get into the car, right? So when you select your car or you which race uh, you want to do online, things like that. That was also actually designed um, with HTML, uh, JavaScript, with all the code available. Mm. Um, and the vision there was like, people will make like, you know, total conversions and, and mods that will have their own UI. Interestingly, that never happened. And um, what happened was content manager, which is a Total replacement of, of our launcher, which is yeah. again, it's uh, this kind of architecture. I always had this architecture since my very, very first games mm -hmm. 20 years ago, <laughs> 30 years ago. Because what is happening is like uh, when you develop a game in C, doing the user interface is really a, a pain, it's really difficult. Yeah. So when it comes to that kind of stuff where you have to decide what to do, I always um went to the direction of having like another program that is developed with with actually a technology that is designed to do user interface mm, um, yeah. and then it you will decide what you want to do and that that program will launch the actual game that does whatever you decided to do so all our games up to 
asset Corsa Competizione had that architecture. So that's why, for example, something like content manager could happen because it just overrides, completely overrides mm-hmm. um, our launcher. Let's talk through uh, Assetto Corsa Competizione. Yeah. Because you you shifted gears there and, and things went in different different direction and uh, and your story. Yeah. Well, uh, as you can imagine, after something like I said, of course, it was very difficult for us to figure out what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have this game that in during in five years became huge. You know, we started with like 10 cars or something like that. And we ended up with one, 120 cars. And we're still a company where every car physics is made by one guy and mm-hmm. every track that we have is made by one guy mm-hmm. and uh, so thinking about all right okay what what can we possibly do can we really do an assetto corsa 2 and how long is it going to take us to do 100 cars and and 20 mm-hmm. 30 trucks it was just you know an impossible an impossible task uh just thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we started to, to look at what the, 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 the users were saying. And a lot of users were actually complaining about the fact that Assetto Corsa, because it was so generalistic, in, it lacked focus on um, things like rules or, or of a particular race. So you mm-hmm. had, you know, maybe... Maybe you had Formula One cars, but you only had the Ferrari Formula One car. But mm. you did, and, and then you didn't have all the Formula One rules. Same things with the Le Mans cars. You had one Le Mans cars, but you didn't have all the rules. We had the GT3 cars, but we didn't have the rules of the GT3. And, mm. and that give, give us the impression that that was what you know, a part of our user were asking. So it was obvious that GT3 were really, really popular. Um, yeah, it t- seems they, like that's all everyone wants to race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the time it yeah. was really obvious. In, in yeah. a game like a Secondo Corsa with hundreds of cars and trucks, you will go online and most people will be driving GT3 Spa. So that was a, a clear message of mm. what the players wanted, right? An, an obvious choice, right? Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's not try to make you know, let's not try to 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 create something that will compete with a set of Corsa. Let's try something mm-hmm. that is, in a way, complementary to a set of Corsa, and and allow us to try something different. So instead of yeah, trying to yeah. do this open architecture um, thing, open to everything, let's try to focus, laser focus one mm-hmm. championship. You know, let's try to get all the rules in there. Uh, and, and then, then of course, um, there is the you, other huge change that was the Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. Yeah. yeah. And Unreal Engine yeah. was a very traumatic experience. For yeah. <laughs> why, did a, you, why did you decide that? Um, because, because it looks gorgeous. I mean, look. Yeah, that's it, true. You know, to be yeah, honest, yeah. it looks absolutely gorgeous. And uh, it's like, it's like, uh, I think when we started Assetto Corsa Competizione, the company slowly grew from the beginning of Assetto Corsa that we were like four or five of us, uh, mm-hmm. grew to something like 20, mm-hmm. and then grew a little bit more when we started Assetto Corsa Competizione. So nothing is for free, really. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing is for free. There is always, there is always 
every time you start to get into the details of something, the, the real, <laughs> the reality of things come up. Yeah. And, and a real engine, yes, lots of promises at the beginning. And then we started to slowly realize how painful it was to work with it as the project grew in lines of code and how slow mm. everything was uh, compared to what we were used to uh, with my old engine that was all designed, right, exactly to follow the kind of workflow pipeline that we wanted, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, in, in a real, everything is completely different. And there is, especially for programmers, it was, it was really painful. You know, those are the things that... Now you want out. to think about boats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, um, let's go uh, uh, take a bit of a wider view now. And uh, I'm curious to, to see what your assessment is of the overall state of sim racing um, as a whole right now and what your, your main, um, assessments are, what your main insights are about, um, where it is, you know, if we just take a snapshot of it right now, I would say that it's the best time ever, uh, mm. for sim racing. I think, I think about, um, 10 or 12 years ago, I wrote something. I don't remember if it was Probably it was Racing Central, very mm. old uh, forum. I, I was a member of that. That's funny. Yeah. And, and I wrote something like, you know, <laughs> I think in 10 years, uh, all the simulator will sort of converge into, you know, be, because every simulator is trying to do the same thing, yeah. uh, physics-wise, uh, the differences between, you know, what at the time was like, you know, a good physics simulation and a game that was not quite there will start to shrink. And I think that's where we are now. Um, it's very difficult to point your finger to one product in the sim racing right now mm -hmm. and say, this is objectively bad. It's impossible. They're all incredibly good. They're amazing. Of, of course, people will have their preferences and say, this game is better. Yeah. I prefer this game than the other game. But if you really go, go into these details, they are, they are very, very small details. So mm -hmm. my impression is that the next generation will really, the, the, the match is not going to be on the physics side anymore. I think the physics side has solved the problem. It's like, right, we got this. Mm. Uh, the, we are we are at a moment where the, the it, if you imagine it's like a curve of investment and return, right? And it 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 we are at the, at the point that is very flat. So if you want to improve the simulation, you have to put an enormous effort into it to oh, get yeah, a tiny yeah. return that probably nobody will ever notice, right? Yeah. So the physics, I think. Everybody's getting there. Everybody's pretty much there. So next, it's, it's going to be about, obviously, marketing. It's going to be about game features. It's, it's going to be about engagement. And um, so I, I think, you know, yeah. So if, if you love simulation, that's, this is the best time ever, right? You have everything mm. you can possibly want. You have every car you can possibly want. So but, You know what yeah. I would like to see is I would like to see something like uh, the App Store 
that um, there's there's the simulation platform, but then you can buy any car you want and any track you want. Um, that and those are made by any number of different uh, developers, all officially licensed um, and verified physics and laser scanned, and um, so that you could officially um, have perfect uh, simulation. Because I think the closest thing to this, in my mind, is the Aceta Corsa community in that there are different mod teams. Some of them, um, you you pay them money, right? And uh, they're unofficial cars and they change the names. They don't have official names. They have the proper shape, um, but you may get a Ford GT uh, Le Mans race car, you know, G- the modern one, um, but it's not called a Ford GT. And all the uh, logos have been changed, and then you no. can get a download, download a mod, and then it fixes everything. Um, and then there are some groups that make modded tracks. Some of them even officially that um, that you can download. But it is sort of a marketplace. It's all community driven, user generated content. It's all very interesting to watch and unfold right now. Um, but that I think points to what could happen, depending on if someone has the willpower to build such a thing um, and organize it if from a legal perspective i think there'd be quite a lot of work to do to it is very offer the line yeah. i think i think you, yeah. in a way if you, if you think about it, it is a little bit similar to what happened in the 90s with the music industry yeah, yeah. you yeah. need to convince <laughs> like yeah. like like you convinced metallica like you know what you know, you're not gonna make like five dollars, six dollars every CD. You're not yeah. gonna make like ten cents every time somebody listens to one of your songs or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Now you have to convince guys like Ferrari and BMW, you know, to, to yeah. accept the same concept. <laughs> I can understand. It's a bit like we're in the we're in the Napster phase, yes. right? Yes. Like yes. Uh, what's yeah. happening is Napster, and that there's a fair amount of amazing content out there. Um, that you can download and you can literally get as narrow as you want. Any any uh, piece of racing history, you can rep- do a pretty good job of replicating it and you can get these car sets and, and Look, I mean, tracks, everything. But it, it is, yeah, it's definitely it's, in a it's big borderline. It's borderline. Yeah. And also for developers, it's difficult because, yeah. you know, I don't know how many times Marco contacted some brand for the first time and the brand yeah. told him, Actually, us, ah, Tokorsa, you have our cars in there illegally, and you have to go and explain them. No, that's actually yeah. modded cars released for free by the community. We actually want to acquire the license, do it ourselves, probably, blah, blah. But yeah. it, it potentially puts the developer into a, a, a tight spot if you don't have a good relationships with it with these brands yeah, you yeah. could find yourself in a difficult situation i remember i once had to convince a supercar manufacturer i won't mention which one not to send cease and desist letters to a mod group because i said look they're a bunch of kids you know they're enthusiastic they're trying to learn how to do this stuff and they would all love to get jobs in the the industry and just you know let these kids just do their thing and just um yeah please don't send them <laughs> lawyer letters yeah yeah, yeah. um because it, it really is uh an interesting, and luck uh, thankfully they listened to me um and uh th- i i found anyway during my time at at 
EA and SMS. Um, the those mod groups are a great place to find people to oh, yes. give jobs wor- to. It worked also for us, you know, because yeah. we have so many people in our company that come from that world, you know, come uh, yeah. starting from Aris that, you know, was was doing modes uh, like yourself for, for, for GTR and before GTR for all the mm-hmm. I, ISA uh, games. Um, so that's where and that that's where we, we got him. Right. And and so many other people. Um, yeah. in the company come from that because you know it's the best place to look right so let's let's talk about esports um so how have you how has esports intersected uh, your creations at the time that you were conceptualizing and planning out the the project were you looking at esports or the integration with sro and were you thinking about gt3 uh, we, based racing just, and at, at the end of the day if you think about it as as long your game is able to to host a race in a, in a kind of stable manner mm-hmm. you are esport ready from that point it become less of a technical problem more of an organizational uh marketing problem Right. Mm. So try to get the right people involved. You want the drivers to be in. You want, uh, you know, the sponsors to be in the organization to be in. You know, commentators, directors, all those kind of stuff. Right. And from that point of view, yes, obviously there was some work done for things like um, systems to allow, for example, race directors to race direct directors like choosing which camera to show. Mm -hmm. um, That was. uh, was an improvement over Assetto Corsa. To be honest with you, we didn't have the manpower to do everything we wanted, um, mm-hmm. which is always the case, isn't it? It's like it's always like you you start with a, a long list of features that you would <laughs> like to have in the game. Well, welcome to game development. Yeah, as, yeah. As, as to take the razor blade the out, date as approach, could. and the money runs out. <laughs> <laughs> you need to, to start to delete all the all those nice features, which is very painful because some of yeah. them sometimes are half halfway there, right? And it's, ah, there was actually work that went into that, and you have to painfully say. Well, next time, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's really the most difficult, one of the most difficult part, and painful part of of game development, right? And 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 of course, you know, if you're a game and you say, "Oh, well, what the problem? Just delay the the game, <laughs> right?" Yeah, <laughs> so, no. yeah, yeah. But you know, and yeah, you you can't. You, this you commercial can't considerations. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's difficult. So, from an esport point of view, I don't know. I see it more. I, I apart from probably the, this race director thing, I cannot think about technically one particular job or task that was done specifically for that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, on my side of the game that I, you know, that that, that, that I care about, which is the the, the technical side. Um, so going forward. Obviously, it's huge. I also think that sim racing has a, has a, a little bit more difficult task um, compared to other games because mm-hmm. you have the real thing, right? In, in you, you don't have a, a Dota, right? For real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If yeah. Dota had to, <laughs> right? If Dota had to com- 
compete with the real thing with real dragons yeah. and monsters, probably people will, will watch the real thing, not the yeah. video game, right? Yeah, so, that, that's an interesting point. There's always going to be experts who declare that, you know, I to, I have a car I've driven, and this car does not drive like that, even though they've never driven a race car yeah, before. Yeah, but also as a, as yeah. a completely as a spectator, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a very difficult task to convince. Oh, I see what you, you mean. See, but yeah, as okay. a, to convince a spectator to watch the virtual F1 instead of the mm, real mm, F1. Mm, because in yeah. the real F1, you still have that thrill that if somebody ends up in a wall, you can pass out, right? Yeah, <laughs> in, in, yeah. In, in or you can go go to go and watch it. In go and watch it too. and experience yeah. the the engine. Well, mm. used to experience the engines. Yeah. Uh, um, which, of course, in sim racing is is not is not an element of that thing. In sim racing, you get the the ah. the crazy competition that probably you don't get um, for real because the the amount of people that they can access um, is is wider. You you have a wider mm -hmm. net, so. The amount of talents and the distance between them is, is tiny. Um, so you can get that sort of like, you know, 40 yeah. drivers driving, you know, in, in 100 milliseconds from each other. Which yeah, is Th that's different. interesting. During, during the, the major lockdown part of the pandemic, then it became a, a temporary replacement. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that wasn't going to last once the the racetracks opened up again and people started racing again um i think now the question is where to go f now there's obviously been a lot a lot of sales um a lot of people set up sim rigs at least at light cars and driving and racing they've set up sim rigs for a while there you could even buy a steering wheel if you wanted to um where does it go from here but that's a really interesting insight i never thought about that before Whereas, um, of course, you're trying to replicate reality, and, and it's unique that if you are good at racing cars, you should be able to jump in a sim and be good, good yeah. there. Um, and, uh, and if you become good in video games and you, become, you have your once-in-a-generation uh, talent in sim racing, you should be a once-in-a-generation talent in a real-life race car. I think but, I think that's a yeah. ticket, right? That's that's yeah. th this sort of crossover, and and yeah. sim racing is already proving. It's already obviously proving that if you are strong and fast in sim racing, you're gonna be fast on a real car as well. So that's interesting. That's 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 a very interesting way to sort of sell the sim racing esports, right? It's it's a mm. way in um, the real thing, right? That's one thing. The other yeah. possibility would be to be brave and and create something that doesn't exist in real life. Yeah, and 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 create something that has better rules and you know more uh, interesting to watch than the real thing. Um, whether that's possible, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. but, you know, I, I've, I did, I've I, come I, across people that are promoting that idea. Uh, I think for me, the question is, will the sim racers come to that or do they, will they only focus on the, the pure authenticity of replicating existing racing yeah. or whether some sim-based yet fantasy program would work? I think it could be possible. I think it should be some company that has a pedigree 
like, okay, we show you that we can do the simulation thing. Mm-hmm. Now we do our own thing, you know, our own car with the rules that we want. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult bet. But to be honest, it's not really an expensive uh, thing to try. When I was at RoboRace, the, the proposal that we came up there was to create augmented reality um, elements that happen on a location that are directly affecting the race. So the vision there was, uh, imagine, say, your track set at Nürburgring, and everyone has their AR glasses on, and there's like drone battles in the sky. And you, we had this concept that you could take um, different types of virtual objects and throw them on the track. Right. So, so say there's some cars chasing and you have to throw a virtual bomb and, and hit the enemy car and to slow it down for a second. And, um, or you might uh, throw another thing on the track and you have to time it so it lands right before the car that you're trying to help goes over it and then it gives it a power up. And, and all this type of thing. And we imagined, you know, the uh, racetrack in the future that has all these kids running around. If you didn't have AR glasses on, you'd have no idea what was going on. They're running around throwing stuff on the track. There's drone battles in the sky, dive bombing the cars. All this stuff is happening. Um, that was my well, proposal. That, that, you know, that can, <laughs> sound, that can sound crazy and goofy, but if you think yeah. about it, one thing that is missing probably from sim racing right now is game design, you know? Mm. I always say, like, we are very good at doing simulation. We're pretty bad at doing games because, yeah, yeah it's like, it's like, you know, that the, it's missing the creativity element, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, 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 and I think we are getting to the point where some companies have enough pedigree that they can reasonably, you know, pull something like this, you know, Putting a serious yeah. face and say, "Look what we we did." You know, you know what? Yeah. Now you can shoot at the car in front. <laughs> it's in some ways it's a, it's an un, it's an uncomfortable balance. Yeah. Um, game, video game versus pure simulation. Yeah, and those two things have had it. I think a tension beside each other. You've got some companies like Codemasters is is an example that they've tended to make games. Um, that tap into motorsports, and then you have uh, iRacing is probably the other extreme example extreme. where where you have um, just racing, yeah, and you just like I want to race that on that track, and I'm this skill level, and I'm going to go race, and that's it. There's no yeah. game design. You you couldn't <laughs> call iRacing a game. And also in the developer community, I mean, I I, yeah. I you know frequent lots of. Uh, game development forums and communities. And it's interesting mm. how <clears throat> for most of them, um, something like Assetto Corsa is not, they don't see it as a game. They don't see like yeah. Simulazioni as a part of the game development work. Yeah. Because it's missing that element of game design, right? There is no game design. You, you, you watch a race and that's what, you, that's, you're trying to get as close as possible to that thing. Yeah. End of the story. There is no game design. Right? Yeah. And uh, it is something that could change. It's, it's, it's a possible way forward. One thing I ask all my guests uh, as, as I close out with um, 
with any of these uh, different programs is uh, I asked my guests for their what their radical strategy is or the big piece of wisdom that you'd like to share um, about what the potential future for sim racing is. Yeah, I think it's pretty much what what we said. You know, let's try to design something that is actually fun to play, and it goes mm. away from the concept of choose a car, choose a track, and and off you go. But yeah, I, I understand it's a very dangerous concept, and it's not a concept that hasn't been done. If you look at things like Forza Horizon, and even the, I think it's the grid. I I, I always mix up grid and dirt but they have mm. like some modes where you have to hit the the flags or things, stuff like that you know try to yeah. combine your serious simulation thing into something that uh, it's a little bit more relaxing and community building and fun to play instead of just hammering down lap after lap after lap of of, yeah. of you know fighting okay yeah one millisecond or less it's great, but you know, probably it's just me <laughs> getting gold and uh, <laughs> you know, after so many years of sim racing. So it just sounds like you need a you know, a yeah. couple of years off. Yeah, yeah you need a yeah. big break and yeah. uh, and then, and, then we'll and see, it's fun see what you're ready after with. All, all this, you know, I I I basically find myself in exactly the same situation because I'm doing the the boat game and I'm exactly in the same situation like oh my god how i do the controls you know what's the the parameters for this foil and that sail and blah blah it's, yeah you know I, I put myself exactly in the same situation and it's and like, then people are going to want to simulate like the different people and you're gonna have to make them like run over and yeah do that's the thing. That, that's then, the then my they, main then they problem climb, right climb the thing up and yeah it's like a <laughs> sailboat is uh is, is a team effort yeah, and uh, to translate that into something that you can actually control by yourself, um, it's a very it's a very difficult task. That's why you know I'm I'm finding so many difficulties that you know I might change my direction, come up with something completely crazy that has nothing to do with reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, great talking to you. Um, yeah, fantastic to catch up, and uh, yeah. yeah, so many things to think about now. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you.